This is Tessa and Matthew, and we're devouring and dissecting the original programming of TV's crown jewel, HBO, starting with its top 10 shows of all time, according to New York Magazine's Vulture. You're listening to HB Hoes. What can we say? We're sluts for HBO. HB hoes in the house. Can't kill Matthew. us. Can't kill us yet. Even though, um, <laughs> wait, I also feel like a lot of like HBO, the future of HBO, very uncertain. What with the winter discovery. Oh, the merge. The merge. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. We were like, let's do an emergency episode. The yeah, number, <laughs> the, the number. The brand is in jeopardy. <laughs> mm hmm. This could Which actually, everything. I actually have something to say about that as it relates to the show we're talking about today, The Leftovers. Today. Um, we can get into it, but I actually feel like it's good timing because, um, yeah, because it kind of relates to like how I felt about this show. And oh, I don't know. Was that weird? Maybe it's no. Like, I love I'm it. It's like a to meta. Meet it yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a I'm... yeah. It's a feedback loop. Okay. For sure. I'm... But, I'm so curious. Oh, man. Yeah. Do you want to say it? Um, or do you want to save it? I'll save it. it it'll come On this segment, and say it or save it. Say it or save it. <laughs> well, this week we are talking about The Leftovers. Um, there are. Which is widely regarded, which some critics, it, I feel as though this is like the a critic's show. This is like the critics, mm -hmm. it's a critic's, a critic's critic. darling. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Critics, they critical darling. I mean, the critics- mm -hmm love this show and tv lovers love to love this show mm -hmm. um the show was just for some upfront context created by damon lindel lindeloff who was the creator of lost surprise surprise but also not yep. surprised and then um, went on to do watchmen after right mm -hmm. so like and what's interesting about those two is i always felt like lost was like pop like the most populist show like it was mm. huge. I, I don't know the numbers on Lost, but I just remember growing up, people were obsessed with it. It was ser It was like the big serialized show that every week it was like, oh my God, and people had theories, right? Yeah. It would mm -hmm. felt very populist, whereas Leftovers and Watchmen are very, very cerebral. They feel like intelligentsia shows. Um, they don't niche feel- Niche audience. Niche, mm -hmm. exactly. So mm -hmm. I thought that was kind of, I think that's kind of interesting. And then Tom Parada, who was, the, wrote the novel on which this um, show is based. Mm -hmm. um, he also wrote Little Children and Election, which were both um, adapted into critically regarded Great movies. <laughs> love both of them. I love Election. I love Little Children, both the movies. I can't speak to the books, but I mean, great yes. stories and yeah. great adaptations. So um yeah i think I story i think oh go ahead sorry oh sorry we're both so excited i i Fair. to to the lost thing it'll be very interesting to circle back because that has one of the most like i think upsetting endings in terms of people being frustrated with the way a show ended and like i watched an interview with him and i think something like that happening in your tv career will really hang over you because you're mm. trying to make a show that won't piss off people at the ending and that's gonna be really tough to follow and then the leftovers was such a specific subject matter and very like you know you're gonna lose people watching this shit because mm. it's so out there in a different way than lost from what the little i know and understand about lost so anyway it was just very fascinating to to see the the filmography on this yeah and the yeah made. Yeah, definitely. And I know ne I never watched Lost either. Um, I but... had to watch. I have a story about Lost. I'll keep it. I'll keep it brief. But I had to watch an episode, the third episode of Lost for a screenwriting class in college. And I had to create a beat sheet about it. And I hmm. hated that show. I resented it because it was so confused. I didn't know who these people were. I didn't know what was happening. There's so many followings. There's so many characters. And it was something about a, a boar. So they, were, they were hunting a boar. 
anyway, I was just like, mm, not great vibes from this show. Don't like the vibes. That's kind of my, that's kind of how I feel about this show. I got a pup in my room. Shout out to Lulu. Shout outs. Shout out to Lulu. And a um, um, devoted fan, uh, Nicole. This is her dog that's staying with me right now. So so shout out to Nicole. Shout out to Nicole. Um, Anyway, anyway, so yeah, viewership Mm -hmm. viewership stats. Um, Let's see what we have here. First yes. period at 8 million views across all platforms. True Detective was about 11. So that's like a, we know that that's like a, it's not a blockbuster by any means. Um, no. And then it, but it's, I think it went downhill. Yeah, big decline, big decline. Yeah. yeah. I, I know this is one of those shows that, I mean, it was canceled after three, after third season. I know that in- Was it canceled? I, I'm pretty sure it was because, right? Because I was reading an article about, I was reading some like season two recaps and mm-hmm. they were like, this shows, they were like, the show's fate is like up in the air as season two. Like, I think that there, there oh. were times where but season was, three like, was like, that's it. Right. It wasn't like, cause it feels oh, like no, no. intentional. No, I think they, now. okay. Yeah. I, I think they knew years. going into it that it was like, this is the, finale. this is the conclusion. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Okay. Yeah. That makes more sense. Oh yeah. I mean, which is much shorter than actually, I think Deadwood is the only other show on our list that has three that is like. Yeah. Popularity and light intent too. Um, yeah, definitely was not the most popular. That is for sure. Yeah. Um, and then moving on to like general thoughts, what is your story with the leftovers? Like, how did you? My story, um, when it came, so I, I, again, it was one of those shows that I, so this week, the years of this, remind me, this was 2014 to 2017. I think I'm good. Cute. I think it was 2015 when it premiered. Cause I remember. Yeah, I was. Oh, June, June, June 29th, 2014. So, so 2014 to 2017. So I guess that was when we were in college. Yeah. Um, but I remember when it came out, I remember people in college singing its praises. Mm-hmm. I remember it being like people talking to me about it. Mm-hmm. And I did watch some of the first season when it first came out. And I okay. found it hopelessly boring. And I know that I know that is. Honestly, I mean, I was so I was reading I was reading this rotten this um not rotten tomatoes this Rolling Stone, um article. It's called uh goodbye the it was at the end goodbye the leftovers how HBO's show went from good to canon worthy great, basically like mm-hmm. it was good but also considered very self serious I think critically mm-hmm. in the first mm-hmm. season like heavy, um, just like really gloomy you know mm-hmm. and I think mm-hmm. that's what I was reacted to when I first saw it because it's an, a really interesting conceit you know yeah mm-hmm. and that's sort of why like Tom Parada I'm like okay he's a good good at story definitely yeah. like I was interested in the concept um but yeah that's kind of my like where it began for me and so then I knew going into this rewatch that I was like okay I know it, I'm gonna struggle uh yeah Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, my experience with it was that I struggled throughout. Mm, interesting. Yeah. What about you? Well, it's funny because we actually have very similar uh, like intros to the show because I also watched it in college when it came out. And mm-hmm. the reason I thought it was 2015, because I remember this conversation I had in 2015 about The Leftovers, where in which I had met four separate people who also stopped watching on the same episode that I stopped watching on which was the third one the capsule one about the um priest played by Matt Jameson called two boats and a helicopter I hated that episode when I, I also hated and that I hated it disgusting yeah I hate this is and the reason I stopped watching yeah because it's be- I think it's because it's a big fucking downer that's why yep. there's no there's not an ounce of levity in the first season and I'm just like, like, I need to laugh. I'm sorry, but I need to, <laughs> you need to laugh. No, yeah, and, it was yeah. rough. And, and it was rough this time around. And then I actually really enjoyed the season, the end of the first season. So I was like, okay, redeeming, redeeming. But back in 2014, when I remember talking to multiple people about it, everybody had the same reaction. They were like, 
It was such a turnoff. It was the worst character to focus on for a capsule episode. I completely lost interest. The premise what was is what was so interesting about the show. That's why you watch, because you're like, oh my God, there's a rapture and it's about all the people left behind. That's crazy. And then you're like, on oh, what's it? Yeah, that I thought that was a really smart critique that you wrote here, which was it's a kind of a big mistake to do a capsule episode on a character like that so early on. I was just like, mm-hmm. I get that the point is that you're diving into these specific characters and how they, you know, the the human, um, you know, uh, response to tragedy, um, yeah. to something inexplicable, but like. And I get that they're queuing up that this is a show about faith, but I'm like, I don't want to watch, like, I don't want to watch this fucking community minister. Like, I was just like, ugh, gambling. Andrew Scott playing the hot priest. I I was like, okay, yeah, exactly. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, like, I get that this is like a show and it has artistic, you know, um, objectives and whatever. But I was like, where's Justin Theroux? I was like, where is the hot cop? Like, could we go back Let's to that? Let's circle back to Justin. Yeah, I mean, by that point, by this point in the show, I was like, here's a scam me through the show right now. Too hot. Justin Thoreau, not an ounce of body fat on this man. That like, so z- like ne- probably negative 2%. But I was just like, okay, into that. It always looks like he's wearing eyeliner. Also into yeah. that. Always looks like he's wearing eyeliner. <laughs> and his face is sculpted. I mean, I know he's like, he's like, I was like, okay, that's good. Then I was like, um who else was i i was i loved the conceit i was like where the fuck did these people go into that you know yeah um margaret quayley yes she's like every scene she comes in she's like upset about something uh (laughs) obviously like you know i there were good parts of it but i was like not me so and dad okay i have thoughts on and dad amy landecker i was like i'm into her you know i i like the vibes any or amy any amy brown i love Amy who's who's landecker Landegger's from uh <laughs> she was in the curb episode we talked about oh my god right duh yeah okay <laughs> this Amy is Landegger. an hbo universe crossover which i tweeted from our account months ago but remember that rava from succession is in the leftovers she or yes oh my god i'm too excited not rava but um yeah not rava kendall's first wife um, oh my god, I'm totally blanking on her name. But she's the woman in the opening scene of The Leftovers who loses her baby in the parking lot. I wait, isn't Rava Ken- isn't Rava Kendall's first? Wife? Oh yeah, it is Rava. But she she's the one in the parking lot who's like frustrated. Oh, and that's right. And the baby's gone. That's her. So my theory is that Succession takes place in the same universe as Leftovers. <laughs> I think all HBO shows like this do because <laughs> can't look at Carrie Coon. Um, Amy Brenneman. Oh. Well, Amy Brenneman, I don't know if I bet the other HBO shows, but like, you know, I, okay, yeah. here's what it is. All prestige television takes place in the same universe. <laughs> Transparent, oh God, you know, um, um, uh, the, the, the Handmaid's Tale and, and Dowd, like, yeah, it they does. Do it, the one where it's like they're the two percent from every one of those shows are taken <laughs> out and it's like, oh no. <laughs> Where's that's J2 a cut. Class? <laughs> yes, exactly. Where's J Duplass? Yeah. By the way, J two J Duplass in um in industry season two. Industry. Oh my god. Been watching I that up a store. When we do an episode of that industry. Yeah. Now that show I fucking oh, live for. Wow. I live. <laughs> no. But um, yeah, I agree with you that when when the capsule episode about the priest, I was just like, ugh. You know? Whiskey move and it didn't pay off. It lost a yeah. lot of people, me included. And then this time around, I was like, Tessa, you have to watch this because it's an assignment. So I need you to hang in there through this priest episode. And I hated it. And then I got through it. And I have notes on what episode in season one hooked me, which we'll get to. Mm-hmm. But totally great. That was a really rough choice. And even going back again, didn't it didn't work for me. Yeah. Capsule episodes are risky to begin with. You really should only do them when you're like, established as a series and you can like take the time to really zone in on a character versus doing it right out of the gate like you don't even have anyone yet like this is new it's a whole great note world. great <laughs> note very very strong note um okay great what else okay. we got? uh well so i want to hear your biggest takeaway here okay yeah this is my <laughs> takeaway ready this is great okay i don't know if this is gonna like this is probably gonna be word vomit and i like was only developing it earlier today but like I'm here. I got to me, you. okay. When you look, 
This is 2014 to 2017. Remember what was happening? Like, remember the technology at this time? Remember the social media landscape? Like, I think that this show feels like the last HBO show of its kind. And that relates to the dissolution of the brand that we're kind of potentially seeing now with a lot of, mm-hmm. um, a lot of properties being called into question um, with the mer- what with the merger like in my opinion this is like this show feels like the like prestige tv's last stand but a certain type of prestige tv wow. like the type of television that that hbo built its brand off of the sopranos yes. um the wire. you know us the wire six feet under yeah. um yeah uh what what are some other i mean there's more but like these really cerebral um heavy mm-hmm. uh shows with with big themes on their mind um you know and and other uh other prestige premium cable television shows yeah that came up around the my, same time i don't know if you saw my david lynch note but it was really interesting the the callbacks i saw to him in this like one critique video i watched where they were like twin peaks made this type of show possible and I've never seen Twin Peaks, but I've always been wanting to watch it. And now I'm like even more curious because of the fact that that boldness of that show, plus David Lynch's relationship with Justin Thoreau being in his films and like creating this like mm. exquisite acting made way for a show like The Leftovers that otherwise might not be possible. Yeah, I just remember, I completely agree. And I just remember like growing up I mean, we grew up in this in this age of like mm-hmm. premium cable dominated by brands like HBO, Showtime, Epics, which is now like, you know, or even um, Cinemax. I guess, yeah, well, it's yeah, Cinemax was like an HBO <laughs> brand, uh-huh. um, which I guess when I was working there, that their whole brand had become like, you know, action, mm-hmm. ho- like horror, action, thriller, like macho like shit like that but i just remember like showtime epics all the premium cable stars Mm -hmm. um stars whatever amc you know Mm -hmm. with breaking bad like these were these like show like really cerebral i'm trying to find other words to use but i guess the words i would use are like cerebral heavy intellectual um like slow burn sometimes thought provoking um, thought filled with anti-heroes like really complicated yeah. characters like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and then it became like what are your sh- what's your show like you know it was like about the the sort of journey but it, to me this show feels like the last it feels like there was a shift after that into a different type of content because when you look at it's things crazy. like it's just my I don't know like and oh and also existential and I feel like mm-hmm. television has shifted away from this um, yeah. And I think that in a way, like you could, I don't know if Netflix, I know now where the Netflix brand has gone and people have actually, yeah. um, Netflix is like, actually, uh, Randy, shout out to my boyfriend, Randy, who- Shout out to Randy. He said something really interesting. He was remarking on like that, that he felt as though Netflix shows had like a look, a certain look. Like certain mm-hmm. aesthetics now, and and Netflix, I guess when they started, they were doing, they were like sort of battling it out with the with the old guard, like the HBOs, the Showtimes, and they yeah. had Orange Is the New Black. Like that yeah. is the type of show that I guess is sort of like a little bit has one foot in the door of like one foot on the other side of the line of like the old stuff. But now Mm -hmm. if you look at like now the Netflix, Netflix stuff now is super, super pop. Like it's glossy. It's gloss. It looks glossy. Yeah. Yeah. It's the music, um, the the music, the content, the acting, Mm -hmm. like there's something about it that feels like it just like came right out of the package, you know? And it's like, it's like fast food, you know? Um, And I just. Great point. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I just feel like a lot, even now the shows that are like the big, kind of intellectual shows like or intellectual or like mm-hmm. you know for hbo the bit like a succession yeah. um Did even succession yes Shout love that i'm cassie for my waist i wear a shirt love that 
but e- even succession like succession's like a big soap you know and there's yeah. lots mm-hmm. of memeable i feel like television now is like an attempt to meet is to, to get a memeable moment like what is your tiktok you know like what is your five yeah it's gonna go viral yeah. that is the and and you know wednesday like i'm just thinking about wednesday because it's super top of mind mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. i have not watched it but like i have the wednesday the wednesday dance boom done like you don't even the show itself almost doesn't even matter because it has yeah. that succession yeah. um you've got like the writing gives you these like i'm gonna fuck you up the fucking ass with a you know like whatever like that yeah. kind of thing yeah i just feel like there's been a there's definitely been a shift towards like glossy pop shows that give you memeable moments that give you the yeah. bites and this yeah. is not one of those shows no it's i don't not. i don't believe there's a single memeable moment in well, the entire show yeah and it was funny because one of the reviews i was reading of it cited something that must have happened back when it was airing about like something about the running shots or something about justin thoreau and like his grout fit or something and i was like ah this feels like ancient internet times because i've never heard of that being a thing i don't remember anyone actually talking about this show at all oh yeah it, exactly yeah. It, it that's a relic it, it feels like a relic it feels like yeah. a show from a time gone by when like the internet was a thing back then but it wasn't like in the same way like the internet wasn't I feel like content, the internet wasn't content yet. It was like a means to discuss things, mm-hmm. right? But like yeah. now, and and I That's made, I made this note. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And I made mm-hmm. this note here that like, I also feel as though my attention span has gone to shit for sure. You know, like. I know, I started and I left. No, I 100% agree. I Well, so, okay. So here's my follow-up to this point, which yeah. I completely agree with. And I think it's an excellent point about how this show is kind of the end of the era of that time of HBO content is it doesn't sound like you loved it and I think for all the reasons you were describing is why I really loved it and so it's Mm. interesting like what about that did not sit with you right yeah why didn't I like it um I thought it was super super okay I love the concept yeah. I didn't, I did not get anything out of the execution. Like, I understand the concept. The concept is basically yeah. like, um, how do people deal with the inexplicable? Yeah. Like, I love, I love the concept. I love, okay. and I talk about it all the time, but like that, that, you know, that's like a hu- big human topic, you know? Um, totally. Agreed. But I thought that the execution mm-hmm. was just like really boring. Oh, really? Yeah. Really? That's so interesting because I thought this was one of the like wildest shows I think I've ever seen. Like in terms of like the second season coming in hot with a completely new theme song. It's completely like 10 minute like unintroduced like weird opening sequence. Mm. And especially I think for the time I was like this show is fucking bananas. Like Right. And and made me applaud them. I was like, what a like left swing you took. You just like fuck it. Yeah. Like, permit. Try something completely different. And then the way it goes, and we'll talk about the seasons as they progress, but then the way it goes into these dream sequences and he's an assassin and it almost becomes funny. Like I was just like, I really, you know, I give you guys props for just being like weird, just like a weird fucking show. And normally I really do like that. I do. Like, uh-huh. I, I, you know me. I mean, I love weird shit. But yeah, I was yeah. like, you know what? You've done, you have, there is no, I felt that there was not enough, that as a viewer, the show had not built up enough goodwill oh. um, or enough trust as a viewer for me to be like, good, I'm down with to this. To buy into you know? it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I was like, I, it's such a good concept that I just wanted a little bit more straight up plot. And yeah. it was there there wasn't a lot of like good old fashioned plot and climax. Okay. It was just like okay. I just felt and then the second season, I think this is my other thing, and maybe like I've become too self-aware of a watcher, but I was like, this show is a parody of itself. It's a parody of premium cable, of yeah. prestige television. Um, like when it flipped the script, second season, brand new everything. Yeah. Um. Or even that ep- the dream sequence episode. I was just like, this is so. I felt like it was like a parody of a prestige television show. 
And even at times the acting, and we'll get to the act, the, the mm-hmm. actual acting. I was just like, uh-huh. I was like, I also felt like everyone was acting in a different show. Everyone was acting in their own mm-hmm. show as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think like I just there were maybe too many wild cards across mm-hmm. the board where I was just like, this is too um too cerebral for its own yeah. good. Okay, so it like went over. That's fair. Yeah. I think it is fair because it's like if you are not locked in and all these things are happening, it could be such a turnoff. And I yeah. totally get that. I agree with you. I think that the themes are the most beautiful part of the show. I pulled a couple of quotes from this article called Here's Why the Leftovers is HBO's Most Underrated Show. And I thought they uh, summarized it pretty well in saying that, like, what begins as a supernatural mystery has, becomes a harrowing drama that speaks to the profound truths of humanity and watching its characters search for and instill meaning in their own uncertain world. And it carries any weight during the pandemic. I thought that was a really great way of putting it of like what is technically happening in this show is like we yeah. miss the rapture. We're here with these characters and you're watching them try to make meaning of their lives and create a narrative for themselves. And I found that so fascinating and watching it post pandemic was very fucking eerie to be like there's this a date but they all cite they everything since then is marked in time in terms of mm-hmm. since last october and it didn't make me think a lot about the pandemic and just like how one big event changes everything in your life and yeah. all these new jobs created because of it and all these things have changed right that's true world. yeah like i like, thought it was uh, yeah really like timeless in a certain way um which i think at its core but yeah i mean if you know which it also still like that third episode really i really hate it and i'm like if you didn't you had so early on i feel like you really could have sucked in even more viewers into the show and really like hooked them on this journey but that yeah I like i would have i don't know i just feel like i needed more plot and, and also mm-hmm. i wanted to know more I guess that is the whole point of the show is that we don't know where they went. We don't know. We don't. And that is like kind of, and I like it as a talking point. I like it as a like, you know, so like life is mysterious and we just have to deal with it, you know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and sad and it's sad and we just have to deal with it. But I just Mm -hmm. like the, this wasn't entertaining. I didn't find it entertaining. I think that was my main problem is that I was like, I couldn't get through these episodes, but I get what you're saying. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I can appreciate it. I, I know why people liked it. Yeah. 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 So this kind of segues um, beautifully into the season one thought. Yeah, let's go into it. And Yeah. And I can point to the episode that made me like this show a lot because mm. I thought the okay. storytelling. Do you know what I'm going to say? No, saying? no. Go ahead. I'm just kidding. Oh, oh wait. Um, is this it? Episode. Oh, yeah. Episode oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, nine. Oh, okay. The Garbies at their best is right the episode that shows the day before October when the, the rapture happened. And I, I just really loved how you are working backwards and just seeing the mundane lives these characters are leading and all these trivial problems. And you know, as a viewer, that within 24 hours, none of this is going to matter anymore. Like, Kevin didn't want a puppy. And Lori, you know, like that was a conflict for them. And then he cheated on her. And then, you know, like Lori's got a patient and doubt who's like a conspiracy theorist. It's just like all these things mm-hmm. going on in the world. And in the hindsight is just like, this is all going to change. Like you see Kevin's dad having a functioning, you know, sense of self and, and he's not in the mental institution. It's crazy to me. And I, I really enjoyed that. I was like, this is a really clever way of like showing you the flip. And then now you can appreciate where they're at and how far. Yeah, I, I do agree with that. I remember enjoying that episode because um, it like creates uh, a little bit of entertainment. There's entertainment value in the world building and the like, well, what happened before this event of the care? Like, exactly. I, I always feel like when you, when you go back and when you when you place characters in a different um in a different time period time, yeah yeah then you're like so then you're like oh this is interesting and kind of cool so i exactly. i do agree i like i liked that 
And to your note, that was one of the most plot-driven episodes of the entire first season, was that you're literally, like, the the plot of that episode is, like, we're going to see all of their days unfold right before it happens Mm -hmm. and see what they're up to. So that was extremely entertaining, because you're just, like, on the edge of your seat, like, oh, my gosh, it's about to happen. Where are they going to be? You know, they're at school. They're at the, like, we learned Lori was pregnant and the baby disappeared. But it's, like, all these things that we had no idea, and now we're, like, sunk into. You know what? Really yeah foreshadowing enough so. oh that's true and they do oh they goodness. do recall they recall a lot of stuff from that episode but I this just back. occurred to me oh, oh god oh sorry i was i went back and watched that episode recently to like refresh because i remember enjoying it so much and there's this moment where kevin senior says to kevin that every man is in search of a greater purpose you have no greater purpose because it is enough cut the shit and I was like, mm. this is wild. Kevin Sr. by the end of the show thinks his son is like the new coming <laughs> and thinks his son is the reason that like the world can get better and second Messiah, whatever. And in this moment before all of this, he literally is like, you need to like get over yourself because you, yeah. you think there's some purpose in life and there's not. And it's just crazy. But then there, yeah how they said i'm like did they know back in season one how this was all gonna turn out and that kevin would be like the thing that everybody believes in i thought that was really i feel like they must have they must must have yeah i agree oh and then patty being the person who's like got her bunker all set up with food and stuff in case of the apocalypse and then she becomes the cult leader i thought that was really well set up like of course it's her yeah scared of everything and then when it happens She's so vindicted in that she knew it would happen. And now I'm ready and I'm calm and I'm cool and close. Exactly. Like, actually, that's a really good, that's a good point, actually, what you just said, because there's one read of, of her character where you're like, oh my God, she's magical powers. Like she knew. Mm-hmm. Or you're like, no, she just has super, super high level anxiety. And so she's always waiting for the apocalypse. And then lo and behold, it happens. And so like that exactly. is, you know, I feel like she's I've heard paranoid. my therapist she's paranoid i've heard i've heard my therapist be like you know there's no use in like waiting around for something bad to happen because something bad is could always happen exactly know? that's the whole thing and that's what was so trippy to watch Lori like stoop down to that level because it was like you used to think she was nuts and then now you are on her side because no one knows what to make of anything and this is the only thing like joining the guilty remnant gives you some sort of control right control oh my god that's true and actually that's a great point about Lori's character why she's such a great character too because she's this the shrink and then i love like i think her one of the last lines we hear her say as a character are same time next week when when carrie coon calls her which i just love because she went Mm -hmm. from being therapist which like comes with a bit of a holier than thou attitude and and her character was very much that like yeah matt why'd you like why'd you lie to me or not matt kevin i don't want to call him one um and then she and then she obviously has like a break when the thing and then joins the guilty remnant, mm-hmm. then abdicates and then starts writing a book. Yeah. Um, and trying and to expose them. And yeah. Has a breakdown. And then she's running this. But then at the end, she's running a scheme. Really? So she's just cashing in, you know, and then she's yeah. looped back around um, once many years have passed into like being a shrink again in a way. Exactly. It- her arc is yeah, her arc fascinating. Is great. I yeah. and that was another thing that I saw on like a list of like why the show was so great was the the female characters specifically were fascinating in the show. And they gave like these amazing actresses a lot of like meat. Like Carrie Coon's character. Wow, so much to unpack there. This is a Nora is a complex woman. And it felt like the show really like wasn't afraid to give these female roles a lot and they weren't always likable they were not always like you know the tiniest cleanest like they were just real dimensional people in this fantasy world and i just really applauded that writing it especially in in nora and laurie's characters they were really messy and i i just yeah thought it was so great yeah um yeah uh, uh oh and rava's in this episode too where um she is literally driving with the, her baby in the back seat and she's on the phone and she's really frustrated and laurie sees her outside the gynecologist's office and it's like another reminder that's like 
do I want a baby? And she just like shakes her head, you know, with the phone. And it's you watching this, you're like, oh my God, her baby's going to disappear the next day. Like, it's just the little like seeds they planted to have this massive payoff were so brilliant. I just really loved that episode. And um, yeah, wanted to to say that that was really what hooked me in the show. And it came pretty late. It was the uh, second last episode. Of it, it, did come, it did yeah. come very late. Yeah, it did. I don't know. I, and as we were just talking, I think the thing that I, and maybe this is just like, again, I'm finding it hard to distinguish, like, if this is, if my critique of the show would have stood up, save for these two things. One, COVID. Like, I was like, okay, I see the parallels to COVID, but I lived that. Like, I don't, like, I don't want to do this again, you know? Yeah, that's extremely true. Mm-hmm. And then number two is like, really the memification and the TikTokification mm-hmm. of, of like television serialized content like i i you know those uh, i don't know this is like super specific but there's like a feature on tiktok where it's basically kind of like an instagram story where you like swipe it's like it's like a sort of carousel okay um and if you don't swipe it'll automatically yeah on tiktok so it's like still Mm -hmm. images in a carousel you can swipe or if you don't it'll automatically swipe through and you can set it to music and i've seen this trend where people are like my thoughts on White Lotus and, you know, each tile. And so they'll show each character and they'll be like, it'll be like Jennifer Coach's character, like, sis, like, you need to stop complaining. And then it'll be like, you know, um, Aubrey Plaza, love her. She is the moment. Like, it's just like, I, and I, I think it's funny because it's like, in some ways, like, this is how I feel like people's, it has really boiled down to just like, hey, love, hey, mm-hmm. go off, die. Like, I don't want you like, and I was watching the show and I was just like, I was like, Justin Theroux, you can stay like, you know, (laughs) anyway. Okay. Moving on. Season two. I I rewatched the episode where Nora and Kevin met in the uh, high school at the, when she said I said blocker and I really enjoyed that meet you. Their chemistry is white hot between Kevin and Nora from the that's beginning true. They I, each other, and I really love it. Yeah, that that's true. I always ship them a lot more than I guess mm-hmm. they, that's probably intentional, but like because she's mm-hmm. such a dumb, you know. Yeah, I think the thing about it is that he's like he's like mask and all, but he's kind of like like he's like he feels like a serial monogamous kind of like mm-hmm. it makes sense that they work together because she's such a dom and he's such a hundred percent it's know? so fun to watch it's it really is. like she's so snarky and it is funny to like see them and, and knowing how it ends with them like having this whole reunion and did she lie and all this stuff and then to see where it all began was just so trippy yeah so the last well, I guess now we're kind of hopping around a bit, but well, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. So, on the topic of season two, mm-hmm. um, that title song can't get enough of it. That's one of the songs. Like, I, I think that, like, to me, I'm almost just like, fuck this show. I didn't need this show. That song communicates to me everything that the show said yeah. in one song. I'm like, okay, great, perfect, totally I agree. Think beautifully written song. Yeah. Um. It's such a tight song. It's just like the message, the song, right? I'm like, I love this fucking song. And then I was like, you know what? I just want to watch this opening sequence over and over again. Over and over and over again. Oh, I do the show now. Anyway, I would like, I was thinking the lyrics. I would sing it for our listeners, but. You know what? Let's get a TikTok of you singing it. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'd I'd love that. So, okay. I sent you, I'm looking for the, the tweet. Looking for the tweet? But I sent you this tweet. I think it was, oh God, this is this is why I needed it, but now I don't find it. The guy who created Bojack Horseman. It's like mm. a three-part name because of an R. Yes, yes, yeah. Like I don't we're doing charade. He had he published his um top fifty shows of all time on from Rolling Stone, like they, oh yes, yes. Remember this? Okay, yeah, they were like, give us your top fifty shows, and he wrote the funniest write-in answers, like. It was, I, I was laughing out loud, which I agreed with everything except for the fact that Mr. Show made his list. I was like, oof. 
Lost yeah, me there. I hate that. I hate that. But The Leftovers was really high up, and his comment was, after the season two title change. And that's really having watched the show and how I'm like, that is a hilarious comment to make with this being one of the best shows of all time. I get it. I love the title change. Actually, and critics said the same thing because they, they the original title sequence, they were like, this is so heavy handed. So heavy. Oh my God. Great music. I mean, musically beautiful. Great music. But I think the music in this is, is better because it's like a light, it's lighter, you know, it's just like, okay, it's tone. It's all about tone. It's like, one is like, boom, the rapper. And this one, this one's like, okay, maybe we're going to have a little bit more fun now. I was laughing out loud during That being said, I did not have fun. Like, okay, you you made this note. Well, clearly, I, I'm glad that we disagree because I think I know, it makes normally we always agree, so it's good. Yeah. Look at us. We're like, but like the, the opening of the woman in ancient times, I was just like, fuck this. I was like, I know what you're doing here and it's not over. I was like, I don't know who this is. I, and I know that it's like, some, you know, it's probably metaphorical or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or as you yeah. then we later know that it takes place, you know, in Miracle. But yeah. I'm just like, I was just like, I was almost ready to give up. And I text know, you. I know. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I really dug it. I don't know. And maybe it just, you know, just hit better. It depends. But yeah yeah and then and then that coupled with the new theme song i was like this show is crazy i love it yeah what did they do on back <laughs> but there were parts like okay i agree with you the purgatory plotline um i thought that was cool so cool. like that might be one of my it had to be one of the best episodes because it's just so bonkers it was so bonkers and it really made me think a lot it made me think a lot of existential thoughts which you had mentioned before with it being an existential kind of show and i i totally had that which it's, I don't know how I feel about that. Sometimes it freaks me out when my mind starts to go through those, you know, like watching the show and seeing how they portray the afterlife. You're just sitting there like, holy shit. Like, this is this is wild. Like, yeah, it's, it's, you know, seeing a different interpretation of something that is so hard to pin down and everyone's got a different opinion really was wild. Like seeing him like sing karaoke and then hold this little girl's hand walking over a bridge and just like all of these metaphors for him trying to move into the next life while if i love that the writer's room was just like let's make it weird like nothing about this is uh i don't know traditional yeah yeah i i i liked it i liked it but i think i just spent there was just so many too much of the time i was just like where the I was like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> I think that was my struggle. Yeah, that, like exactly. maybe, yeah. but, but I liked that episode. And actually, weirdly, I liked the capsule, the, the, when the second capsule episode on the priest or on the minis on Matt. Oh yes. I like that one a lot better than the first one too. Cause it, it felt, this is, it felt very biblical, um, that he was just this, like, it was this like Sisyphean or Sisyphean, however the fuck you say it, of him trying to get back into um miracle yeah oh one thing i did and we'll get to this but like um Mm -hmm. well actually i'll save this i'll save that point because it has to do with the acting but yeah um i don't know i just was like i don't know i don't know okay okay and then now third season that's i think i would write the seasons like this okay three two one you rank them or write them? Rank, rank. Rank. Yeah. Three, two, one. I because think I agree. finally by the third, I think. Oh, I, and I, I for mentioned, I, I, I wanted to say this before. Like the energy, I really wish, like I would have liked a little bit more procedure. Like mm-hmm. what happened in the days, weeks after this event? Like how does society yes. break down? Like, and we don't get that. We get like, no, we don't. Further. And I wanted to know, like, okay, well, they they're gone like what is the immediate response there you know because I, it, yeah no a great note and we didn't get it for that like you know we get i don't know how many I, what it's like a year later or two years it's later. three years later yeah. is the first season two, and i totally heard that or weird weird choice i don't understand yeah. it. it must have been because of how the book is because i really i totally agree with you it's much more interesting to see after the fact what is going on 
I would like, have liked a little bit more aftermath. And that's maybe why mm-hmm. I season three, because mm-hmm. we get that first opening beat with the drone strike. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. okay, oh, great. Now there's like something to sort of bite onto here. Well, and uh, also the whole machine with people signing up to go find their people felt like a very relatable direct tie back to the first season with the entire inciting incident. And exactly. I and a little bit of like inciting incident. Yeah. Completely. And I was like, okay, this is like the sci-fi bit that I wanted here. Like a little mm-hmm. okay deepening of the world in a way that actually explains the thing and i don't need you to explain it i don't need full explanation but i was like actually really relieved in a way mm-hmm. and grateful that they did a little bit of world building around actually explaining what had happened yes yes totally agree there i think three is the strongest one yeah and i also really i appreciated the the continuous strong character development like kevin's character you know justin threw a grew a beard and he looks sexy as fuck and he's back to being a cop and you're opening with this and you're like all right he's stable and then he's supplicating himself with a plastic bag to feel something which by the way predates don't worry darling right. so this was uh done here first folks just for <laughs> when we see yeah. but that's also here. what that's what yeah yeah Oh, sorry. Just to say, like, oh, no. Yeah. Like, I, I appreciated how they're like, we're not like saying anything got easier here. We're like pushing how much harder it's hitting these characters years later now on the seven year anniversary. Oh, yeah. I, could, I couldn't imagine. I mean, I couldn't imagine. And that part I did actually vibe with with regard to COVID because. Okay. Because the fact that we're like. The fact that I just feel like the fact that our like that life has to continue that society needs to continue the way that it was like after a global event like that mm-hmm. and that we're just expected to like keep resume it's mm-hmm. kind of fucked you know totally and so that's why i did i did appreciate that nora does the same thing in season one by the with way. the plastic bag well with shooting oh with the shooting oh i loved that i mean the- to me i was like i, I did like the plastic bag but then when she when remember when she comes back from her trip and sees him doing it, she's like, mm-hmm. it's okay. I get it. I was like, okay, well, mm-hmm. yeah, because she did the exact fucking same thing. Because you literally like, hired a prostitute. She, yeah. Like, um, yeah. anyway. So, yeah, I agree with you. I think that was probably the strongest. Um, and then, yeah, the finale. Um, oh, this is interesting. You want to read this variety? Post? Yeah, yeah. So, okay, so from this Variety article, Variety, the Leftovers finale, um, there's a quote from Damon that reads, is anyone going to believe this? Well, Kevin is. Kevin is going to believe it. And it is in regards to Nora's story. Whether he believes it or knows that he needs to believe it is because this is a construct by which they can be together. Those two things are completely and totally inseparable and irrelevant. He does believe it. Once we locked in on that, then the entire season basically became basically a delivery mechanism to earn that scene. So because I was doing some research on like her whole story and what she says and is it true? And there's like such a divide on like, is what she's saying actually true or not? And even like I read someone that just in the wrote didn't buy it like himself. Oh. But the, but he knew the character needed to because that's what bonds him and, and Nora back together after all these years. And how interesting it is that Damon had such a shit show of a end on Lost. With this show, it's almost kind of a brilliant, like, me in the middle is like, we're going to give you an explanation. You don't have to believe it. That is mm-hmm. what we're giving you. So it's not like, what happened? It's like, here's an option and you... You know, take it or leave Yeah, because they did. I mean, more or less, it's like there's like an upset, not just not to, you know, invoke Stranger Things, which, by the way, is like the worst. Well, I don't know. We can talk about Stranger Things. I kind of hate that Stranger Things. I kind of hate it now. But there's effectively an upside down world, spoiler, upside down where everyone. And I did. I liked the idea around that more than the actual explanation itself. I like the idea that like, yeah, there is, a, like, yeah, they did go somewhere, but, you know, 
um, you can't join them. You know, it's kind of the same thing as death. It's like, yeah, mm -hmm. people die, but you have to get over it. Like, and you'll die yeah. too, you know? Yeah. I thought the the best part for me about that whole bit was the way she told the story because I fucking love Carrie Coon. But the way she was telling this and she goes, I, I walked in a grocery store or, or learned the story about the grocery store from someone from that 2% world. And they were like, everyone disappeared but me. And yeah. hearing that, I was like, what the fuck? And then you're just sucked in because you're like, oh, my God, this is the other side of it. And I just I totally bought it. I was like, oh, my God, this is crazy. And then after finishing it, you're sitting there like, is that what happened? Yeah. And it almost like don't. I almost just like was like, you know what? N actually, none of the mechanics matter anymore. It's yeah. just like, what do we, how do we deal? Basically, how do we deal with life? Yeah. How do we uh, deal with the crisis? How, are you going to tell yourself a story to get through it? Yeah. Because otherwise it's too fucking bleak. Yeah. Like, it's just how do we deal with life and loss? Mm -hmm. um, do we do like, and then that has, you know, kind of like has it bearing on like, the relationships that we form because do you mm -hmm. like does it with another person and like what yeah what do we like what do we tell ourselves and tell one another to to get over shit basically exactly okay, maybe, um yeah go ahead fun fact i finished the show in the sky i was on flight and i had two episodes left and i downloaded them for the flight and it was so satisfying to finish a show that way i highly recommend it i felt i don't know it was so trippy like it's a show questioning the state mm. of everything. And then I was like, in this mode of transportation where I'm not on Earth. I don't know. I loved it. Yeah. It's not like so That's weird cool. on this episode. And I'm really sorry for, for listeners, but that is no. how I felt. <laughs> I love, I like that. I, I get that too. There's, I, I like watching stuff on planes. Yeah. I find so that I love like, better on planes. Me too. Yeah. I cry. It makes me emotional. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Watching Justin throw his pretty salt and pepper beard, looking at this woman. Now for our actors, yes. actors on actors, speed round. Variety's newest show. <laughs> Running through the cast of this show and giving our notes. Giving yeah. our Okay, Justin Thoreau. I will say, great. I agree with you. Fab actor. Such a he good was, actor. Yeah, I, I think he really held the show down. And as we discussed, uh, his visual appearance made this show palatable for me as someone that didn't like it. Yeah, he is literally so hot. It is actually mind-boggling to see a man yeah. this sexy who's this talented. It's Yeah, really... he's got this. He's got He's it. He's got it. I made a note that his, um, like, the way he spoofed on in the show, the other two, is yes. really funny. That, like, he can be such a, like, point of comedy as just, like, a bit. And then that's really all I knew about him. And then I knew he wrote Tropic Thunder and little roles. But to see him here, I was absolutely blown away. I'm a huge fan now. He's great. Also, shout out to my friend um, from home. Kara, she uh, ran into him at the dog park many years ago when she their dogs used to go to the same dog park in New York, and he was super nice. And her dog barked at his dog, and he laughed. So uh, seems like a nice guy. Loves animals. Good, but he kills them in the show. So kills them in the show. It's a bummer. Okay. Okay. And Dowd. Um. Obviously. Okay. Okay. Why don't you can go first? I think she's consistently good IRL. She's a great actress, and I really enjoyed her here. And the way she said Kevin is forever burned into my brain. Kevin. Like, I Kevin. I can't. That was so much better than mine. Um, and the versions of herself in the afterlife always kept me on my toes. Um, okay, now your turn. I, okay, I agree. Like, I really, I was a big stan, and I, and especially as, like, a gay man, I never thought I would say this. But I think that, like, she has her limits. Like, she was too much on this show. Mm -hmm. I was like, I can watch her in something feature-like, like, Hereditary. But I was like, mm -hmm. she's, like, going over the top. And why does she set, like, she has, like, a really weird way of talking that's, like, it, not the way anyone talks. She's like, 
there's something about you. And I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? That's why I feel like everyone's in their own fucking movie. Like Justin Thoreau is doing like leading man shit. And Dow yes. is like State Down USA. Like it, Amy Brenneman's super naturalistic. Like I'm just like, every nobody is on the same page. Carrie Coon is like theater, is like theater, theater. Theater, you know? theater, theater. That is true. Anyway. She's so extremely Southern. Especially yeah, and in the second season, she yeah. became southern, and I was like, "You were not this southern in the first season." I don't know why. Very death but... does that. Anyway, anyway, um, yeah, Amy Bren, yes, yes, big time fan. Love her. Yeah, she's um good. I I thought I agree. Her arc is great. Great actor. Love her look. Um, she served. Yeah, she served. She ate. Yeah, Carrie. Yep. Okay, Carrie Coon. Oh, wait, wait, wait. When oh. Amy Brenneman screened Jill outside of the fire in season one. Wow. First time we heard her talk. Emmy. First time we heard her speak in this world because we haven't seen her speak other than flashbacks. And she yeah. screams her daughter's name. It's the first good thing she does is to save her daughter from the burning fire. I yeah. absolutely loved it. Here for it. Okay, sorry. Kirk Tim. Carrie Coon, yes, I know you love. I agree. I agree. So, okay. Yeah, give me your thoughts. I like her, but I some, but I, I sometimes, I let I the last her last monologue sold it for me, sold her mm -hmm. performance. But I was mixed throughout. I okay. feel like she's acting too hard. Like I, I wrote like Chicago theater. I don't know why. I feel like it's just like. I'm acting and like I'm in the scene and I, like I don't know there's something about her um but I but by the end I was like I was definitely sold and I agree I think she's great and gone girl um but yeah, again a three example I feel like every every actor on the show is like in a different show that's They're a all really like, great note I, yeah. I totally see what you mean but yeah and I fucking love her character i love her character the way she's written oh my god like her devastating arc of like losing her whole family she's the one person who stays and is grappling with this for three seasons and then decides to go meet them wow perfect i agree and i completely agree with that no i think that that it makes a ton of sense as a character for her to do that you know like to totally. by that just like you know what i'm fucking out i'm out yeah i'm gonna like help dumps send notes because everything has destroyed my life yeah yeah i want you know i want her i wanted her australian life let me say that i wanted her house mm -hmm. i wanted yep outfits oh. the e the, oh. the the gray beard or the gray the, long beard. Beard, the braid the doves like i wanted all that and then yep, i wanted 100%. just to show up on my doorstep 20 years later and be like marry me like that i wanted all those things you know so yeah. Really dream dream scenario for her. Dream yeah. scenario. Okay, Christopher Eccleston, hate. Don't even want to talk about him. Hate. I you need to make a carousel. This is just so funny. Yeah, yeah. I, I gotta say, I found this character annoying from day one. And then by the end, he also annoyed me. I remember just being like, God, you are annoying in every season. Come on. Negat like, negatory. Just really yeah. can deal with him. Yep. Mm -hmm. Margaret Kelly. Kelly the beginning Not of an iconic more. career, Emmy. Uh, like Emmy. I want to see, yeah. I she does not miss, and, and her and so she was also acting in a different show. Very, she's very naturalistic, like yes. you know, an new type of vibe, totally. um, which is way different than Carrie Coon, who's like I, you know, like I'm acting in the scene, and Margaret mm -hmm. is just like I'm crying because I'm sad, you know. No, I, I totally agree that her, like, levels were different. Like, they're, they were all mismatched. That's a fantastic point. I didn't even think of that. That's so true. I really loved Margaret Polly's performance, especially in the flashback episode when you saw her with braces and she was, like, so awkward and young. Like, her acting is so, so incredibly flawless to be able to do that. Flawless. 20-some-year-old like person playing, like, a 17-year-old that's playing a 13-year-old. I don't know if she was 20-something. Don't quote me on that. But I, I feel like she's a little bit older when she did it. Yeah. Wow. Super impressive. I just wish there was more. More. Three, I know. They, like, they completely forgot about her character. I was like, where the fuck is she? You have a daughter. Back in Miracle. Yeah. Can you go pay attention to her? Like, come on. Agreed. Let's get more of the writing than her. Yeah. Okay. Kevin, Kevin Carroll. Kevin Carroll. Love. Yeah. He was great. He made he me played. so fucking uneasy the whole time. And I really 
bought it. He was awesome. Love his accent too. Love the way he spoke. Love his cadence. Everything. I, I when they what when he showed up and Regina King. Yes. And I, I was I, new life was injected for me in the show. I was like, yeah. okay, finally, like I don't know. There's something about both of them that they really brought it. Um, I agree. I, I, he would his performance is awesome. And then Regina King, I mean, yeah, she doesn't miss. And I was so grateful when she showed up. She was so yeah. grounded as an actor. Um, yeah. I was finally like, hmm. I don't know. It's just I was relieved in a way. Yeah, no, I, I love that addition. I thought, and it, it felt very organic in the show. It wasn't like, here's new characters. It was like, yeah, no, they make sense in this world. And I also, I, I hear your, your note about the, about Carrie's performance, but the scene when she and Regina go toe to toe. Oh yeah. That was each other. <clears throat> wow. I love, I love that scene. And then that they became yeah. friends. I thought that was really cool. They became friends. And I like that Carrie, Co I love when Carrie Coon's like, when she's like, your logic is flawed. Like when Regina King's explaining her, like I, I thought that I had something to do with it. Exactly. Um, oh, and Regina King's monologue in the at the like memorial service or the like vigil yes, for her with the, the goat uh -huh. with the goat. I was like, uh -huh. I was like, yeah, yeah. I was like, that's the, why you're one of our best actors. Period. Like totally. And then also that she went on to do Watchmen with Damon is really cool like I love that they established such a good rapport here then to make an entirely make another great show okay beautiful um so of the show oh the show I mean it's clear Harry Coon because she's so She's such a dumb and she's so sexy. She's freaky. I love yeah, her. Yeah, she's freaky and she's like, I love in, in the season three when um, when she's, it's like, I think the first episode, she's like, hello. Uh, she's like, officer, blah, blah, blah. Like, they, they, they do sexy talk after. Yes, the, they do. Or like, even just like her vibe as the like, whatever her fucking title is, her job. Uh -huh. like, her hey, yeah. and she's like telling, she's like, communicating something to all the cops she's like and guys if we're gonna do this that and i was just like you boss these people around like i'm into where's my all or where's my like second spinoff series about her and kevin having pillow talk because yeah i'd fucking watch it in Ambient australia with the braid it like between noise. them on the pillow Great. yes okay also um before we do start of the month i need to say the other music besides the theme song, there's oh, yeah. one song that's playing. It's in the scene where, where Regina King is getting ready to go to the vigil. And it's mm -hmm. um so it's music that's playing in their house. It's not like mm -hmm. it's not like it's diegetic, I guess, was is what you would say. What is that film school terminology? Ha -ha -ha. Babe. And it's kind of hard to hear, but it's a song by um, a Motown group called uh, Barbara and the Browns Ooh, that they didn't have very, not a lot of commercial success, but it, it's called, um, I forget what the song is called, but Eric is like, you turned a great big thing into a little thing. We can tweet it out or something. Anyway, yeah, I it got super into that song and all of their other songs, like that record. Wow. Great. Something good came out of this. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, li I'm living. I'm living. Okay, so I also, oh wait, oh, before I settled on just something that made me laugh that I put a oh, yeah. in here for Matthew is when I was doing my research on this show. And then Google says people also ask someone, not someone, multiple people type, is the leftover is the best show ever? I just really love the way people use Google search. It really makes me laugh. Can you imagine typing that, that out? <laughs> is it the best show the ever? Best show ever? <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, love love. You want to go first? You go first, and then I, okay. I don't want to do mine. So mine is um, is mine is actually a TikToker. Ooh, uh, TikTok is entertainment. You know, TikTok has TikTok is television. TikTok is television. Um, I there's an account mainly Manny. Okay, and this person, this TikToker, this creator has a character called Boston CEO. She is a Boston CEO. She runs a fictional company. Um, uh -huh. And she is like, this is this character is so funny. It's just like a distillation of like 
horrible capitalist. Like, it's just like, it's like a capitalist boss who's like horrible to employees, horrible to service workers. Like, it's this one of the funniest characters on TikTok right now okay, and on I'm TV that I've seen. She is so funny and um, Boston CEO. Look it up. Okay, I'm going to look it up. I really love that. That's hilarious. I actually heard about something like Meg Stalter did like a, a Zoom. I think that was kind of a similar vein of being like an asshole boss. and like, Very, yeah, very Meg mm-hmm. Stalter vibe. Um, mm-hmm. But just like great, a really, really well-formed character. And mm-hmm. the sketches, like the videos are awesome. Mm-hmm. The catchphrase is, I'm boss and CEO. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, okay, that's what I'm going to watch. Okay, great. Wow. I love that. Um, choice Matthew. Um, my son of the month, I kept um not written here because this is very sentimental, but I just wanted to give son of the month to us because we got through this year, we started this podcast together, and it's been such a fun experience, like getting to do this with you, having great conversations. We are watching so much content, learning so much, keeping each other inspired, and I'm really thankful for this and want to say this is our my hearts is our 2022 wrap um we are the sluts of the year that's so sweet i agree 100 100 i'm so that. excited yeah it's gonna be really fun um and our next show is gonna be drum roll please the larry sanders show Ooh, okay Ooh. we're going <laughs> back in time so you want to laugh yeah, I like need seven I need Go one slog. after the leftovers. What a slog. Cool. Well, see you next time. See you next time. Thanks for listening to today's episode. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at official underscore hbhose. Music created by ZFB. Perfect. You're bored for the radio, baby. Am I? <laughs> <laughs>